Our guest tonight played 233 games for both Fitzroy and Collingwood from 1982 to 1995. He won the Best and Fairest for Fitzroy in 1989 and represented Victorian State of Origin on six occasions, the first at the age of 18. He was an All-Australian in 1985 and was a member of the Fitzroy Lions Team of the Century. He was CEO of the Collingwood Football Club for 10 years and he is currently entering into his third year as CEO of the Melbourne Football Club. Welcome to the Demonland Podcast, Gary Pert. Hey, guys. Gary, on the eve of the 2021 season, the club will be welcoming back fans to the footy for the first time in 580-odd days. How have ticket sales gone and what do you expect numbers to be for our first home game? Yeah, well, it's a huge break, isn't it, really, just for our supporters to be away from the MCG and being able to watch the team play. So there is a lot of excitement. There's no doubt and that's been building, especially this week. So for a team like Fremantle, we would average normally about a crowd of 25,000 people. Um, and the way the ticket sales are going, we're probably looking closer at 27,000, I would say. Um, and, you know, that would be close to a record crowd for us. So uh, well, it's, it's going to be a good day. The weather's going to be good. I think the supporters are excited to get back and watch the team play be able to cheer them on so we'd like to think that um we'll get somewhere just over twenty-seven thousand this weekend keeping in mind pretty well 99 percent of them are going to be melbourne supporters yep uh gary d supporters got a little worried when both essendon and hawthorne started uh beating the uh drums and petitioning the afl to move their round one games from marvel uh, to the MCG, was that ever a, poss- a serious possibility? And given that after round six, nothing has been set in stone with the draw, are we likely to be booted off our home ground in order to accommodate larger drawing crowds at the G? Yeah, and look, the the simple answer, was it a chance to be moved? And the simple answer is absolutely not. Um, wasn't even a consideration. And uh, we've already sold memberships. We've sold sold uh, signage and sponsorship and corporate packages. And there's a lot that goes into preparing uh, for a game. There was certainly no chance that was going to be changed. Uh, we acknowledge that, you know, most of the other clubs look at how many games we play at the MCG and they'd love to be out there. But uh, the reality is, you know, this is our home ground and we're certainly not going to be moving the fixture we, we have a fixture um, where we know which teams were playing every weekend for the fi- for the for the season. The only thing that isn't supplied to us is what actual date, um, what what actually time that's going to be. So um, no, there, there'll be no movement from the MCG. What there might be is just a variation in. Uh, what time the games are being played, but the weekend will stay the same. Our home games will be at the MCG. And, of course, that's all prefaced off. And it, uh, that's assuming the whole season doesn't blow up like it did last year because of a massive outbreak of the uh, pandemic, but we're certainly not expecting that to happen this year. That's fantastic to hear. Um, hopefully capacity increases throughout the year, but uh, given the current quotas of 50%, how is this likely to affect our bottom line this year? 
Well, you know, any time that we're putting caps on the amount of people that can come into the ground, it's always a bit of a risk. But um, when you look at the crowds that we would expect for the various various games that are fixtured at the moment. The only one that I'm probably is, is going to be touch and go, um, and we've got a month prior to the Anzac Eve game, but if we can get the numbers up to 75% by then, and, and by all indications, that's what all the leaders of the industry and government are wanting, um, then I think that, uh, you know, the, the restrictions in terms of... Um, the current quotas, 50% moving to 75% by that stage, I reckon that would allow us to get the sort of crowds in that we would have been expecting this year anyway. So um, with any luck, it won't have a big effect on our bottom line. Um, we broke through the 40,000 barrier in membership this week, um, a wonderful effort all round. How big has the impact of COVID been on membership sales and um, what's a realistic target for this season? Yeah, well, we got, you know, smashed last year, obviously, like every other club, because as soon as it was announced um, within the first round of games, uh, as we were over in Perth about to run out onto the ground to play our game, they announced the competition was closing down. Well, of course, membership pretty well stopped dead at that point. Um it's very different this year. We got really great excitement and momentum. As you said, we go into the year before the balls bounce for our first game, we'll have broken 40,000. Uh, and, and we'd like to think with uh, some really strong on-field performance for the year, um, it, it's important to bring our supporters back to the games and get them excited about the um, being part of the on-field and our target's 50,000 for this year and we're certainly on track for that. But like I said, a lot of it's going to be determined by how well we play on-field as well, especially early on. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it all con- comes down to winning in the end. Uh, Gary, you boldly laid down the challenge to bring in 75,000 members. Obviously, this was pre-COVID. Have you adjusted that target in the post-COVID era? And uh, what is the revised target and, and timeline, I guess, for, for achieving that? No, we'll, we'll get to 75,000. And, and as you said, the, the COVID probably stalled the whole industry for a year. Um, where we were sort of in survival mode, everyone was. And, and, in, and the, the fans and the supporters and our sponsors were just so magnificent in their loyalty during that time. But it was a bit of a stalled year in terms of um, the club gaining momentum. But the, the target of 75,000 is on the back of us playing finals consistently yes. and good footy and a style of footy that our supporters and members love to come and watch and, and we need to have three um, successive years of playing in finals and, and exciting our members and rewarding our members but if, if we do that I've got no doubt we'll get to 75,000 and, and that's what our plan's based on so you might say the COVID years you know stalled that for a year the target hasn't changed but it might take us um, another season longer of consistent performance and if you look at all the clubs with big memberships whether it's the Hawthorns or the Richmonds or the Collingwoods the Geelongs that have grown their membership it's come off the back of really strong consistent performance year after year 
Um, and that's that's the way you build your momentum in membership. Uh, you mentioned finals. We missed out last season. Um, how confident are you that we can get back on track this year? And and what is the pass mark for uh, for twenty twenty one? Well, we missed the finals last year, and we and let's face it, we didn't deserve to be there because we just couldn't deliver in that consistency area. And when I say consistency, we lost games because we dropped off for ten or fifteen minutes or a quarter, and teams kicked, um, you know, three or four goals against us, which we couldn't peg back. And we we're also inconsistent week to week, and we saw what happened when we went up to Cairns. So. While we ended up close, um, in a lot of ways we didn't deserve to be in the finals because we couldn't deliver on that consistency. And that's what we've been working on, really working on our standards and disciplines, our, um, our leadership of the player group on the field to make sure that that on-field um, strategy and execution is, is happening throughout four quarters. And the, the other area that I think members were pretty frustrated about last year and I understand why is this whole area of skill execution and the teams that ultimately play in finals and ended up playing in the grand final were the teams that you know their skill execution they, they don't necessarily do anything sensational in games but they just don't waste kicks they don't turn the ball over at critical times when they get it close to their goals, they're able to convert and and hurt teams on the scoreboard. These are all the areas we've been working on in the off-season. It cost us last year, and if we can nail those things this year, um, I've no doubt that we'll be back in the finals. And again, the pass mark for us, we've, we've made it very clear, the players... Goody as the coach, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say it's it's to make finals and to be playing a quality and style of football that can win finals as well. And that's that's what our target is. Uh, Gary, the, the club has done a, a great job in retaining our major sponsorship partners uh, throughout the challenges of COVID, uh, along with a few new additions to minor partners. Um, how are we sitting financially, uh, given that we no longer require assistance from the AFL? Yeah, now, Al, you mentioned that, you know, our sponsors last year as they were going through their own challenges because of COVID, um, but they still stuck with us. They stayed loyal. They were amazing. It limited the financial impact to us as a club last year, and and we won't forget that. And it, it left us in a situation where while we had a loss last year, it was a loss that we could um, absorbed through our balance sheet. We didn't need to take on extra funding from the AFL, um, which was really important for us. So we go into this year with a very strong balance sheet. We got one of the strongest balance sheets in the AFL. We've eliminated our debt like we promised to members that we would do. And if, if we play the style of footy and we win games and we make the finals with the, the membership momentum we've got, with the strength of our sponsors and and the on-field will attract, you know, big crowds to come to games. With that, we'll, we'll be profitable in 2021. And why that's important is it allows us to start rebuilding that balance sheet that took a little bit of a hit last year because we had to take some of our money that we had invested um, and put that into filling the hole caused by COVID.
but but we're in good shape off field. Uh, COVID sort of put a, a temporary barrier between members of the club, uh, members and the club, um, in terms of access to players and functions. Um, what can we expect this year in terms of uh, things like the family day and functions such as the best and fairest? Will they be held remotely or uh, are you looking at sort of other options to replace those things? Yeah, that's a really good question because, you know, we're very limited in what we can do while we've got the the government restrictions and we then also have the AFL policy of what we can do and what we can't do with our, our members and uh, supporters as well. So the first thing that we did to try and acknowledge the loyalty of our um, members was to freeze the prices of membership. We wanted to do that um, right up front as a as a thank you. Um, but we really want to reintroduce a family day as soon as the regulations allow. So whatever time of the year it is, as soon as we can, we want to get families, we want to get kids, we want to get supporters back to a location where we can reconnect as a club. And it's the, as the CEO, my, my biggest thing is the club was pulled apart last year and, and separated from its fans and, and supporters and members. And as soon as we get the chance, we want to start pulling back those things like family day. We, we did fan Zoom calls last year and we got really good feedback on that. So, again, this year we, we want to give the, the fans the opportunity to jump on a Zoom call with our coaches and, um, you know, Burjo from a, a fitness point of view and our players and our player leadership group. We, we want our fans to be able to engage and the Zoom calls work really well, but there's nothing like having the opportunity for the fans to come and chat to the players, for kids to get autographs and, and photos. That, that's, that's the sort of stuff we really look forward to re-implementing as soon as we can. Uh, the search for a home base continues. Some say that the state government is doing nothing more than kicking the can down the road. Uh, what's your, your response to that? Um, well, I can tell even as you ask that question, it's one you've probably asked before and, and it can be uh, very frustrating. And I'm, I'm exactly the same in how slow these things move. Um, but we, we are working with the state government really closely and the AFL. We're in the best position we have been in the last 50 years, really, in how close we are. And, and But we've got to keep on working with those guys because the reality is, when we build a new home base, it'll be on that. Um, it'll be on government land, and we'll need their absolute support. So, um, in those conversations, we have to work with the timing that works with the government as well. But uh, and and it's as frustrating for me as it is for supporters that um, we're not in a position where we can give a running commentary about how these things go because. Um, it is very much a, a, a state government process that we're part of. And, and so what we say publicly has to be in coordination with those uh, different bodies. Um, and like I said, is you know, I, I can't wait to the day that we can come out and say, thanks for your patience. This is what it's going to look like. And we can start to really focus on it. But it is a home base. 
that we're setting up for the next 50, 60, 70, maybe 100 years. So it's going to be worth waiting for. It's got to be done right. Um, we can't try and fast track it and jeopardise it not being what we're after. So, um, again, I say to the supporters, I appreciate their patience and I'm probably more frustrated than they are about how slow these things move because I'm dealing with it every single day. But we will get there and it's going to be worth waiting for in the end. Do you expect to be able to at least make an announcement this year or can you not even talk about that? Um, I, I expect us to be able to give more information and more updating um, as the year goes on with in coordination with the um, the stakeholders that we've got, state government and the AFL. But, yeah, the, the, I, I think what I can say is this year's a really important year in the um, in the process of where we're where we're involved. Staying staying off field for the moment, what what strategies does the club have in place to replace gaming revenue in the short, medium and uh, long term? Yeah, well, as, as you guys would all know, we sold Lee Oak and, yeah. and we put that money into an investment portfolio and, and um, you know, that was... That was largely what got us through this um, this COVID year. The fact that we had a balance sheet and we had that investment portfolio that we could sell a part of it to um, to absorb some of that loss for the year, and it also allowed us to eliminate the debt. Um, but as I said earlier, it's important now that we 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 generate profits each year so that we can rebuild that balance sheet um, because. You know, clubs need to have those investments away from the core business, which does tend to ebb and flow year year by year, depending on how the on-field performance is going. So the investment portfolio is important to us. The decision that we make long-term around Bentley Club and what we're going to do with that, and that's a decision that will be made this year and articulated to everyone involved, you know, to... to uh, uh, supporters and fans, but really the big the big lift in revenues and profitability is there's still so much scope in our what I call our core business, like in membership, in sponsorship, in gate receipts. When we're the best version of ourselves and we're 60, 70, 75,000 members, we've got an average crowd of 50,000 at the MCG and, and you know, sponsors are uh, a really lot, lot of ways lining up um, to jump on board. That 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 has millions of dollars of impact um, to improve our financial performance, and it's it's that core business that we also need to get right and be the best version of ourselves to build that financial resilience. So it's not all about the. Um, non-core investment type things. We've got two strategies. One, to get that core business right, which involves on-field consistent high level of performance, and then the off-field investment uh, stuff. And that that combination builds that financial resilience. Um, been training out at the new state-of-the-art facilities out at Casey. Um, how's this year been different from other pre-seasons and do you think that'll be reflected out on the field? 
Um, well, as you said, we've been out at Casey. The, the players, it's a bit of a drive out there, but once they get there, the ground's um, a really good-sized ground. It's, it's amazingly good quality. We've now got an indoor kicking facility out there. Um, we've upgraded the change rooms. Um, and that was all done as, you know, preparing a backup facility, which Casey is. Uh, we weren't anticipating moving the whole pre-season out there, but that literally changed overnight when COVID hit and we were no longer what we class as AFL compliant to remain in at Amy because of the fact that Melbourne Storm and Melbourne Victory are, are there. Um, so we're out of Casey. The the players have enjoyed the the pre-season. They've worked really hard. The difference that I see and feel in the program is I really see the player leadership group. And when I say the player leadership group, I'm talking more than Maxi Gorn and, and Vines. Um, you know, there, there's so many other of our young players who we know are really talented that are really starting to mature and stepping up and wanting to drive the standards of the program. And, and so what I've seen in this preseason is you know, the the Mays and the Levers and the Petrarchas and Alex Neil Bullen and and others um, that are stepping up now. And I, I'm just seeing a player leadership group really wanting to drive the standards on and off the field. And I think um, that's a really important factor because, you know, I know what Goody's been trying to drive for a long time, um, but the teams that are in the finals, the teams that are winning in winning finals and playing in grand finals, um, I don't think anyone would doubt that the player leadership groups are driving that the standards and on-field performance and delivering that um, consistent high performance, and and that's a real really big area of opportunity for us. Um, and I, I think in a lot of ways our player leaders are maturing to be able to do that better than they've ever done before. So I think that's exciting. Um, we have uh, two new additions to the footy department uh, in Adam Uze and Mark Williams. How have they settled in? And how is the dynamic between the coach, uh, Alan Richardson and, and Choco working, uh, considering the, the latter two have, have been senior coaches themselves and might have their own ideas out of run things? So how's that dynamic working? Um, well, let's start with... Adam Uze, who, you know, all the supporters love and, yep. and he's, a, you know, he's one of our favourites. Um, but that's sort of, you know, that's nice to have. We, we got him because he's just been a, a great coach, a great leader, a great teacher within a really highly um, successful program at Hawthorne. And we wanted to bring that thinking, that um, that intellectual property, that that mindset that we're here to be playing finals, winning finals and winning premierships. And and we've got to start building that in, that that's just an expectation we have when we look at the standards and what we're delivering. And someone like an Adam Uze brings that back into the club from day one. Um, and, you know, he's the, the, the players have loved his inclusion, his, his ideas and input has been fantastic. Um, he's he's very comfortable to push back on Goody or the other coaches if he thinks his ideas um, will improve us or take us forward. But he, he's been a really good 
inclusion from day one. Um, and like I said, he's a superstar ex-champion of the club, which is a bit of a bonus. What he is is just a great coach and teacher that is already making a difference. And and someone like a Choco Williams, he's he's just been part of success his whole life. And he, he only is involved in footy to play in grand finals and win premierships. And that comes through every time you chat to him. Uh, Choco sort of hasn't eased into the program. From day one, his first session that he, he drove with the players, which was about the standard of our skills and our skill execution and, and the consistency of our skill execution. He has really high expectations and he'll, he'll make things pretty uncomfortable if you don't operate at the standards and levels required by, by a top team. And that's exactly why we brought him in. We, we think he's the best skill development coach in the game. We know the impact that he had as part of a group that, rebuilt Richmond's program um, and I think he'll have the, the same effect at Melbourne and you combine that with Alan Richardson who's overseeing the program and it's just a really good combination of Goody, Richo, Adam Uze, um, Greg Stafford again who has been with us at a part-time basis but now comes in on a full-time basis and the players love him because he is a great teacher. He, he he does categorically improve the performance of the players that he works with. Um, and so as a combination, uh, I think it's a very good one. And I know Goody's really enjoying the new energy and um, thoughts and IP that have been brought into that leadership group around him. Uh, many supporters felt that um, any perceived fitness advantage that we might have had from uh, the recruitment of um, high-performance manager Darren Burgess was stripped away due to the shortened quarters last year. Uh, do you expect us to gain that advantage back this year with the longer quarters reinstated? Yeah, we, you, you were right. We, we had the list, you know, amazingly fit to start the year and then, of course, the start of the season got pushed back and it allowed the other clubs to catch up a bit. Um, then they shortened the, the amount of games we played and the quarters. So the advantage that we had built up in that pre-season arguably was a little bit wasted. Um, but that's just something you've got to deal with uh, during a, a pandemic season that we just did well to get away anyway. Um, so this year, I, I think this is going to be the most physically demanding season that we've, we've probably ever seen. This, this, this new rule of the man on the mark having to stand still, which just encourages the player with the ball to be constantly playing on and moving and the ball just being in a constant um, flow, if you like. So any fitness levels that were built up and, and the types of players we're recruiting to be elite runners um, is going to be critically important this year because, like I said, the way it's shaping up, um, even to the point that, some of the coaches are quite worried about the, the player's ability over a long season to keep at this pace. Um, it, it's, it's now going to be a game that is, 
you know, tailored towards those elite running players, the the teams that are the fittest that can keep on going for four quarters. So, uh, Burjo, the great work that he does, he's, he, he and his um, team are going to be tested this year. Uh, Burjo is highly regarded throughout the sporting world. How hard is it going to be to retain his services in the future? Um, look, Burjo loves the club. He's doing a great job. He's He's got, you know, the, the players love him. And uh, like I said, he, he loves being here. But I've, I've said it before, he's, you know, his family is is back in Adelaide and some of the personal dynamics are uh, things that he, he he's constantly having to work with um, and we work with him on that. But uh, we, we literally will talk to him at the end of a season. Um, but, you know, in terms of him working with Goody, loving working with Goody and the players, um, he's he's 100% in, but he just has to evaluate how he can make this um, interstate dynamic work. Um, and this is something he's been open and transparent with, and so have we, and we'll just address that as we come to the end of the year. Uh, one final question for you, uh, Gary, and we're uh, very appreciative of your time. Going back to your playing days, you played on the likes of uh, Gary Lyon and uh, a demon land favourite in Alan Jakovic. Who was your toughest uh, Melbourne opponent and why? Um, well, you mentioned those two guys. They were um, they were both amazing players. And then I also played on um, uh, Jimmy Steins. And, you know, that was an experience in itself because uh, he was someone that literally didn't stand still. He just kept on running the whole, whole game. Um, so the three of those are amazing, but one player, it's strange, as a young kid when I was playing, I think I was probably 17 or 18 and I was playing on Robbie Flower and it was a strange dynamic that it was nearly like you felt (laughs) like a privilege to be out there playing on a player that uh, I held in such high esteem and he was you know, captain of the state team when I played. And so really Robbie Flower was just one of the great players that I ever played on. And I, I look, used to look forward to that battle because um, I literally thought I was playing on one of the best players of all time. And it was um, nearly like the ultimate channel uh, challenge. So I, I, in my mind now, I would probably say Robbie Flower was the, the toughest you, you won't get much argument from Melbourne fans on that. No, no. Uh, um, Gary, I really want to thank you for your time uh, today. Uh, we really do appreciate it and, and best of luck for, for this season and beyond. Um, hopefully there's some exciting times because we, we all us Melbourne supporters, we're, 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 we're dying for it. <laughs> yeah, and we're doing everything possible. And again, I want to thank you guys and everyone that tunes into Demon Land. It's, I know you're all fantastic passionate supporters and you ride the roller coaster with us but um just know we've done everything possible in the off season and i'd love to be jumping onto these calls with you where we're talking about everything falling into place and we're way up there on the ladder and the season's looking good and it's all exciting and it's a reward for the support that you guys and all your listeners put in over such a long period of time so um i very 
very much hope that you guys have a great year as much as the players and coaches as well. Thank you very much.